consumer demands, disruptive technologies, and AI are shaping healthcare for years to come. On Hello Healthcare, we dive deep on these issues with leaders who are driving change. We hope that these stories will inspire you to create and demand a better future in healthcare. Please welcome your host, Alan Tam, Chief Marketing Officer at Actium Health. Our first two seasons of Hello Healthcare are available on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out our conversations with some of healthcare's most well-respected leaders in marketing, business strategy, data science, and much more. If you like what you hear, please share with your friends and leave us a review. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, healthcare. As a healthcare consumer, customer experience is not really the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about healthcare organizations, let alone health plans. If I'm being completely honest, it's not even on the list of things that would come to my mind. Yet, there's a tremendous effort underway across the industry to change this. Health plans are investing significantly to meet today's consumer expectations and ever-changing behaviors. I'm fortunate enough to be joined here today with Mike Packley. Mike is the manager of customer experience analytics and outcomes at Highmark Health. Mike, welcome to Hello Healthcare. Thanks, Alan. Nice to be here. I'm really excited about our conversation today and just learning more about your role and more specifically how health plans are starting to focus on the customer experience. Why don't we start with a little bit about Highmark and kind of what your role is there? Yeah, so my role is kind of new. The CX org in Highmark itself is kind of new. It's about five years old and just been growing. And my role at Highmark, actually, and this is probably going to be surprising to a lot of the listeners, I'm an actuary by trade. So most of my time has been in kind of traditional actuarial roles, whether it be like large group pricing, trend analysis, value-based reimbursement, like all those different kind of gamuts. But through that, I've kind of learned a lot of all those financial aspects behind the scenes that to me are just, since consumers don't understand them, it's highly complex. A lot of people even within the industry don't understand them. Um, so once I started feeling like the consumer was kind of left out in the dust all the time, I was just like, oh, well, we're doing some cool stuff from the customer experience side at Highmark. Like maybe I could bridge that gap between a lot of the financial and analytics perspectives that I had throughout my career with the actual human-centered nature of talking and interacting with the consumer. That's awesome. I think you have a very unique perspective as well of being an actuary by trade and looking at it from a numbers-driven perspective. And I think that's really important. How would you define and measure customer experience in your role? It's a tricky question. I think the defining it alone is something that means that you kind of have to get collective buy-in on what that definition is. And from a health plan perspective, there's a lot of different uh, incentives in place that, with individuals who kind of serve different masters. So when you talk about customer experience, the first thing that comes to people's mind isn't always the end patient or the member. Sometimes it's the broker. Sometimes it's the client. Sometimes it's someone who's dealing directly with the providers and the clinicians, and that's their customer. So I think just defining what we mean by customer is always a challenge in and of itself, let alone trying to then measure the customer experience becomes a whole other kind of beast to actually get people on the same page with that. Right. So what's what's your approach? I mean, if we said the healthcare consumer is the customer, what are the right metrics there that you and your team kind of take a look at? Yeah, and if I told you there was like one specific right metric, I think you should instantly kind of challenge my credibility there. So I, I don't have like one silver bullet metric. 
I think that, you know, a lot of what comes to people's minds are things like net promoter score, CSAT, like those kind of high level metrics. And I think that those are good to have from a very like North Star level perspective. But the issue with those is that they can be pretty noisy. Like you don't necessarily know exactly what's impacting them. Uh, and to, to nerd out a little bit, net promoter score especially is like that's a difference between two numbers. So you need really high end sizes. It has a it's just mathematically more variable than a single metric. So I feel like a lot of the times when we talk to the business around customer experience metrics, you need to make sure that you're able to tie it to how 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 do business outcomes get impacted by these things because the metrics themselves, like NPS, doesn't mean anything if you can't take action from it, right? So I think that's kind of what my role is trying to do is to build that bridge to say, okay, here's what NPS looks like. Here's some of the drivers behind it. How can we then tie that all the way to how the things that drive NPS also drive business outcomes? Uh, Fascinating. I think as you're talking to business leaders, what are some of the challenges that you see in terms of helping them better understand that. Obviously, you brought up some points in terms of, you know, are you measuring the right things? How does this translate to, you know, a conversion or an activation? What would your recommendation be to others who are trying to tackle the same problem in helping their leadership understand what those metrics mean and what the right metrics are for that matter? Yeah, I mean, rightfully so. There's some leaders that are saying, like, it's a it's a highly business-to-business driven nature for a lot of you know, the leaders that deal directly with large clients, even small clients. So if the members themselves aren't making those decisions, they feel like, well, I'm in service of the client. But really, it's that to me, that's kind of like a, a short term, kind of myopic view of it. Whereas, yes, they might want to cut costs in the short term and they want, might want to do something specific because they're trying to change utilization from previous years or something that they heard in the news or whatever it is. But really, it's just like they also, what they're trying to do is impact their employees which again is, is what we're, I'm saying the customer is. So it's like if you do things that service them, they will eventually have good outcomes for those higher level customers of the clients. So it's like how can you make sure they have good experiences to get the information that they need, to simplify things, to make sure that, that they're able to get the care that they need, that they have the answers to know how much something's going to cost or the best site of service. Um, so all these things that kind of go into the, what the customer experience is, We'll have outcomes for those higher level clients and customers. And I think just being able to connect that and trying to draw that red thread between them is something that is challenging, but but doable. And I think as much as we can do that, the better. Who do you think is, is doing it right? I mean, I'm sure you're looking at the broad landscape and competitive research and you know a lot, lot of uh, discovery going on. Who's in the right track? Who's moving towards the right direction? Everyone's trying something. I don't know if there's necessarily just a, a you know black and white right or wrong approach to to this. I think it's it's something that's tricky in our industry because you know we're not like a Disney where everything is self-contained. You can kind of control the whole experience from end to end, right? In in our industry, you know, you get the person as a member, but then they can go to tons of different care journeys. They can go on to different hospitals, different geographies. They come from different segments. There's just a lot that can can be done. So the saying that someone does it right or wrong, I think would be a disservice to anyone that's trying. But I think that payers in general need to take more of that customer-centric lens. I think that providers and clinicians often have kind of like a leg up as it relates to, to trying to focus on the patient. They say patient experience. I feel like they're a lot more focused on the patient because they are at the bedside. They're direct to, to those consumers when they engage with them. But from the health insurance perspective, a lot of times, 
you know, it's a, it's a service that we sell that a lot of people just don't want to ever have to, to use. So it, it can be tricky for sure. Let's change gears a little bit because I want to dive deeper into the technology aspect and how that impacts your everyday work. We're seeing an influx of technology, adoption of technology. Some people are talking about AI. Some people are talking about machine learning. What role does technology have in what you're doing every day? I mean, data is the heart of of everything. From making decisions, everyone wants to make data-driven decisions. I've said this before to others. Is the only do you know what the worst thing is from from making decisions with no data? What's that? Making decisions with bad data. <laughs> if you say that we have all this good data, we have tons and tons of it, right? And then you try to make decisions off of it because you have voluminous data. That's just kind of technology for technology's sake, not actually saying we have clean data, we have what we need, we have the knowledge and the connection points to say that we trust this data, it's quality. So to me, just making sure that we're able to set up those processes, have the data infrastructure behind the scenes to, to feel like we have what we need and that we trust in the data to use it to make good decisions and to help the business to feel confident in those decisions. Absolutely. There's there's nothing worse than bad data. But in healthcare, what I've also have come to learn and see is just a lot of data silos. That's true for sure. How do you guys go about connecting all those data silos and making sure that the data is clean and the data is correct. Well, not all in one bite, that's for sure. So I wouldn't say, like, I'm not saying that, that we do it perfectly. And I think anyone that says that they, they have it, they have that not cracked is lying to you. There, there are so many different data silos. You kind of need to figure out and prioritize what matters most. What do you feel like you'll get the most value from? And then kind of start there, kind of build like a precedent and then figure out how you can slowly add things on from there. So I think that from the payer perspective, you know, there's a lot of different touch points that you can aggregate. But then, like I said before, if it's not end to end, like there's still a lot of going to be missing pieces that you just kind of have to accept. Like you're not going to get every single piece of data in terms of what's happening to that member outside of, of your like ecosystem. So if they go to a hospital, uh, you're not going to have that information until you kind of like lagging on the back end with claims. If, if providers are reaching out to them directly for what, some reasons, that's data that you're not going to have. So it's just you just kind of have to know what you don't know. That can be a struggle, but I think that, again, for the sake of data overload, you, you kind of need to be wary of those things. I've had the opportunity to actually speak with a number of health plans recently. And one of the things that I'm curious about, and I think the audience members are curious about, is whether or not AI has a role within health plans and helping with a lot of the work that you're doing on the customer experience side. It's definitely the talk of the town the past few weeks and the past few months with ChatGPT and various other types of AI-driven technology. Does AI have a role for health plans? And if so, what's the future of it? I certainly think it's a hot topic, and I don't pretend to be an expert in all things AI, but I think that there is certainly a time and place for it. But at the same time, you know, going back to talking about customer experience, I think a lot of what can differentiate the customer experience in the healthcare world is the human interaction. People, if they're going to see a clinician or they're trying to find an answer for something that they feel is deeply personal and deeply sensitive to them or that can have dramatic impacts on their life, they might not just you know, throw that to say an AI chatbot can help them or that they can type something in and expect a, a good answer for, for their specific case. So I feel like there's definitely room for it but at the same time, I think that the people that lean into that, that human interaction versus just chasing AI, again, 
from before, like tech for tech's sake, just to say, well, look, we're doing blah, blah, blah with AI, or we have these chatbots that will help you do whatever it is that kind of, it might push the consumer away a little bit more because they expect our industry to be very human centered. Absolutely. And I think nowhere is more apparent than in healthcare. But what about on the back end side in terms of helping you process the data that you're working on, not necessarily from the interface side with the healthcare consumer, but perhaps, you know, the data models that are being run to identify folks who are most at risk or likely to engage or likely to sign up for, for a new health plan. Is there a role for AI there, you think? Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think that predictive modeling and techniques have been in use for a while. So to the extent of what kind of AI could be useful, you know, you also need to be, make sure of, around things with you know, bias of how, how those AI models are trained, like the large language models, to make sure that you're not introducing some kind of bias or prejudice in, in terms of how those were built and trained. So I just think in general that, that AI has a long way to go from the healthcare world because of how slow things often move and how sensitive it can be with all the data and the PHI behind the scenes. Absolutely. Definitely a challenge when it comes to kind of compliance and regulations within the healthcare industry. Do you think that's played a role in terms of how and why health plans have struggled with customer experience? Or are those independent? No, I, th- I definitely think that because of the mix of kind of private sector with the regulation that exists in the health healthcare industry, that that causes a lot of strange permutations of, of things and weird perverse incentives that can go on. So a lot of times, you know, we have ideas and we're like, we could do this for the customer. And then someone in legal is just like, well, uh, there's this legislation that says that we have to do X, Y, or Z, so we won't be able to do that. Or a good example that this is probably will resonate with a lot of people is uh, qualified hydroxychloroquine health plans. In order to be considered a qualified hydroxychloroquine health plan, basically everything, aside from the preventive services that the preventive task force lays out, must be subject to the deductible. So if we want to do something that we said, well, let's remove this barrier, let's make this free for members, you kind of you almost take HDHPs off the table from that, and that's becoming a growing product line uh, for a lot of employees and members across the country. So if you want to try to innovate or do something special with that, sometimes the legislation just instantly puts the kibosh on it because of how it's how it's structured. So for sure. Is that changing on the regulation and compliance side? Do you see them letting up? Do you see things becoming more flexible given where the state of healthcare consumers are and kind of where the industry is going? I think that there's more consumer-centric legislation being pushed out. I know that, you know, the past few years with the No Surprises Act, I feel like that has a lot of human-centered, consumer-centric things at, at its heart. But again, it's like how it's executed. So that one, for an example, there's a lot that can be done as it relates to revealing the complexities behind the scenes for financial transparency. But to me, that's like saying like, hey, I want to go buy uh, a new laptop and the tech opens up the back panel and starts showing you all the circuitry versus showing you the user interface, right? So like revealing all the craziness of the codes, the CPTs, the DRGs, all the different contracts, like that's all well and good. But from the consumer's perspective, like all that data is, is it's, it's huge. It needs basically now new third parties to come in and wrangle that data and make it in, digestible for the consumer. So it's again, it goes back to how does the, the legislation that gets pushed out, how can they make it in a way off the bat that is intended to really do something directly for their customers and not just try to solve a specific problem that that they're itching to push. 
Hello Healthcare is brought to you by Actium Health. Healthcare leaders use Actium's CRM intelligence to identify their highest risk patients and drive them to care. Increase your patient volumes, revenue growth, and improve your quality scores today. Learn more at actiumhealth.com. And now, back to the show. How can what you're working on and what you're doing specifically help with this? What are some of the projects and things that you're looking into that can help at Highmark? Well, I mean, I think that kind of what I just described around benefit simplicity and price transparency, those are two things that we feel like are are big drivers in terms of the customer experience. Like we know that our industry is highly complex and we've kind of made it that way, right? So rather than just perpetuating things and saying that's just how it always has been or how it must be, we need to try to step in and figure out like, okay, well, what specifically can we do to address the complexity? How can we make things more simple? Even if it's complex on the back end, like you said, you know, AI things and the stuff that goes on behind the scenes between payer and provider, maybe that needs to exist still, but do we need to drag the member through the mud for, through everything? And I think the answer is no. So I think us figuring out ways to do that kind of work and push those ideas forward, get them funded, get the business to buy into those things, kind of test ideas out in a small, more controlled environment where you're not risking as much in terms of like the financials and then proving them out and then and then scaling them. So I think that Highmark is, is in a good place to try those things out. We have good rep- reputations with our, our regulators and our markets. Whenever we have these ideas, kind of pushing it forward, bringing them in from the beginning and making sure that both they and the stakeholders within the business is realizes that we're doing these things from a, a human-centered perspective that's best for the customer and not necessarily just some kind of profit-driven motive. Absolutely. I think that to me, that sounds like near utopia. <laughs> if you had to, let's just say if you had to use an industry for reference, I mean, what's a good industry that you think is a good model for healthcare and health plans to to look like. I mean, I can think of a bunch off the top of my head as a consumer in terms of, I wish healthcare was more like commerce, retail, travel, fintech, you name it. What would be kind of your, your inspiration and in, in model as you're looking at this? Yeah. I mean, I think that we've, we've, we kind of came up with like a, how might we statement of how might we make price and payment like everything else people buys. So, you know, that, that to me, like you said, commerce, like people have become so used to having such ease and convenience and high expectations as it relates to those types of things. And I feel like the healthcare world is just so far behind as it relates to how we've progressed everywhere else. So I think definitely like the ease at which you can shop for things, you can have them delivered right to your door, you can return them, you can compare things. Just the amount of flexibility and options that are provided in that space, I think that if that could translate over to the healthcare world, that could have some dramatic change. And I think that a lot of that is intended currently to be hidden from from patients and customers. There's a lot of profit to be had by hiding that stuff. If that could be the utopia, there would be a lot of a lot of paradigm shifting within the industry, and I think a, a, a more of a shift to have the power more in the control of the the patients and the consumers versus all the other players. What are some of the trends and innovations that you are seeing today as health plans try to figure out how to better engage and retain members? Well, I mean, innovation, I feel like the term innovation is, is an interesting one in 
in the healthcare world, right? Because I feel like a lot of times we move at such a slow pace, like incremental change is often viewed as as dramatic in innovation. So I think just just even focusing on like this discussion we're having right now, like payers talking about customer experience and investing in in it, and not just trying to promote the status quo, realizing that these different things and legislation that comes out, like if you treat things like those legislation as as jumping off points to be differentiated, rather than just saying, oh, this is another mandate or another you know annoying fly we need to kind of swat away by just doing the minimum effort. Like that's where you'll start to see people diverge. Having a payer that, that takes that as an opportunity to really set the bar or, and go above it versus just doing something off the side of the desk kind of thing. To me, that's where the innovation and trend would be going for payers. What are some of the, I mean, besides regulation and compliance, what are some of the other biggest barriers to achieving success or are those the biggest barriers? They're definitely barriers. There's a lot of barriers. You know, we talked earlier about the fact that there's a lot of business to business. So if, if the members aren't the ones making the decisions, well, that's a barrier, right? Because we're, we're kind of going on the, the needs and the whims of, of the employers that are making those decisions. Just the inertia. It's, it's a huge, mucky industry to, to see change with all those different players who have a stake in the game. They kind of dig their feet in and kind of resist intentionally. To me, that's a huge barrier because there might be some great ideas out there. There might be some, even in the case of like pharmaceuticals, like if if there's a cancer drug that actually cures cancer, like that can often be a detriment to someone's profit line, right? They could take entire industries out of business. And when you start talking about those types of things that really are much, they're way better for the, the end patient, right? And the consumer. But from all the different profit-seeking motives that exist throughout the industry, that's that to me that's a barrier because everyone is kind of fighting to keep that inertia and to stick up for their turf. That can be a big stymie point for for innovation. Absolutely makes sense. I think there's definitely a lot of intricacies there in just culture and structure that has been set up. If you had a crystal ball, what will the health plan landscape look like and the next two, three years? Oh, well, despite what people might think about actuaries, I don't have one of those. <laughs> I wish I did, but I don't. I mean, honestly, if I, I'm not a betting person, but if I were to have to bet, I would say that not much would change in the next two or three years in healthcare, at least not dramatically. Again, I feel like the change that we've seen in the healthcare space often comes from CMS, from legislation, and then that kind of sets the new standard and then people kind of build off of that. Uh, I think that, you know, you've heard the, t- the GDP numbers. I wouldn't be surprised if we, we hit close to 20% in the next three years. And so I'd say that some of the, the work that we do, we're doing at Highmark hopefully will, will shine a light on the fact that you can be consumer-centric and human-centered and have success. But across the whole industry, you know, I, I think that if we had the same conversation in two or three years, unfortunately, I don't think there's going to be like, remember when we talked about this, like, it's crazy that that's gone, right? Like a lot of the same problems that we talked about today, I think are still going to be just as prevalent in two or three years. I hope not. I mean, I think f- fundamentally, I think healthcare has uh, changed quite a bit since uh, the pandemic, for example. I think the pandemic has definitely been a huge catalyst for not only plans, but also for healthcare providers as well. So I'm hoping that type of transformation continues to accelerate what the work that Highmark and others are doing for healthcare consumers. 
if you take a look at, you know, within, say, end of next year, the next 18 to 24 months, how would you say who the winners are? And, you know, who who are the ones that are going to succeed? What type of characteristics or proper execution are these folks going to be focused on in doing? Yeah, I'd love to say that the the winners would be all of us, right? Like the patient, the patients should always be the winners, patients and members. But I think that when you talk about the winners and losers in this regard, it's basically like looking where the where follow the money, right? So depending on the new players that come out, like are there new are there new health plans entirely? Like maybe maybe there's some some brand new health plans. I think it's incredibly difficult for new health plans to spin up and disrupt some of those those massive players. But are there? I think there's a lot of vendors and and kind of startups that pop up to try to disrupt certain niches. Of, of the healthcare industry. And I think that's great that they have, you know, a specific mission and passion for the, for that particular problem. But the problem is, is there's so many of those problems. So like you said before on the data, things become very disjointed and siloed. So the more one-off solutions that there are where things aren't being integrated, then that can be, I feel like, an issue. So I think that the people who are able to figure out how to like wrangle all those together to make them seem as seamless as possible, make it so that Customers do not have a disjointed experience and they feel like things things are much more seamless and easy will be the winners and the people that, you know, just keep trying to play status quo, like I said, stick their feet in and refuse to change, refuse to move, those will be the losers in the future. Mike, thank you so much for all the fascinating insights that that you've shared. I think you've really put a spotlight on not only some of the challenges that health plans are dealing with, but how we can potentially overcome them so that we as healthcare consumers and hopefully all the health plans are, are, are winners as well. For folks that are in the audience and would like to continue the conversation with you, what's the best way for them to get a hold of you or to reach you, Mike? Oh, well, they can email me directly at my Highmark email address. It is michael.pacalay at highmarkhealth.org, or they could contact me via LinkedIn. Wonderful. So for those of you in the audience, Mike is doing some amazing work at Highmark. Definitely some incredible insights. Please give him a ping, especially if you want to continue with this conversation in terms of transforming how health plans can impact and make the customer experience that much better for consumers all around. With that, thank you again, Mike. And until next time, hello. Thanks again for tuning in to Hello Healthcare. If you like what you heard, we appreciate a review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. You and your feedback fuel us. This conversation is brought to you by Actium Health. To get the latest on what these healthcare leaders are saying, subscribe on hellohealthcare.com. Thanks. And when we see you next time, hello. Hello.